Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, the Season 1 epilogue for Saturday the 20th of June 2020. Coming up this week, three months of five-figure earnings and two all-star bonuses. I'll be bringing you up to date for the final time with my box set promotion. It's back to paperbacks. I finally got up to date with my book formats and I'll reveal my writing plans until the end of this financial year. They're now confirmed and I will reveal why my famous whiteboard is now completely blank. It's been 88 days since the UK lockdown as I'm recording this and I have played in that time, wait for it, 85 games of Scrabble with my mum, losing most of them, and I've run five kilometres 69 times <laughs> during that time. And of course, I've done lots of writing, which is what I'm here to tell you about today. So this is the epilogue for season one. Season one is 200 and whatever it is episodes, of course. So this is just a, a final uh, wrap up. I haven't spoken to you for what, five weeks directly now. It's a couple of things I just want to wrap up with the five figures uh, things that I just want to tell you to give it some more context and also lots of information that I want to share during this epilogue episode. So let's start with that five figure update um, in, in fine tradition with this podcast. I don't want to just tell you the good news and I was quite anxious to update you and give you some, some context over time. Now the things had a little bit of time to, to fade away. So let's tell you where we're up to with that. So I have managed to achieve a run of three five-figure months with total earnings of around £40,000 in that period, minus, of course, ad costs. So that's a gross amount, not a net amount. Now, to give you an indication of what that means, it's very difficult to put a number on it because I'm due to be paid the highest month's income at the end of June. And then at the is that the end of June? Yeah, at the end of July, I'm going to be paid for last month's income. And of course, there are all sorts of factors involved here. Uh, uh, conversion rates, you know, between dollars and pounds, all sorts of things come into effect. So you can only really ever estimate it. But roughly £40,000 in and roughly about £20,000 worth of ads out. So roughly over three months, about £20,000 of profit um, in my pocket. I also, by the way, have had two all-star bonuses during that time. So I think I told you about the first one, which was for £750. And the second bonus that I got was for £1,250. Now, I think I will probably get a bonus for last month because last month was better than the first month I got a bonus for. You can, you can never know these things until you get the email. But if, if the figures are anything to go by, I should. And I might even be able to squeeze the last one out for this month because my page reads are still very good even though I've reduced my advertising budget and the total number of sales are down. So I've reduced the ad spend now. I mean, £20,000 on ads, <laughs> all of which was exposed on credit cards. I've paid a lot of that back already, to be honest with you. So I'm nowhere near as exposed as I was at, at the peak. But uh, when I get paid this month, I will finally be in, in positive cash flow. So all, all the credit cards will be paid off and then there will be an amount of money sat in my business account at that point. So um, I will then be able to pay for advertising from cash in hand rather than running it on credit cards. Now, actually, what I will still do is I'll still run it on credit cards, um, but I will it will be paid 
uh, before it accrues any kind of interest or charges. Still makes sense to run it on a credit card, um, but as I say, it'll be paid off before an amount's due and it, and it creates a sort of interest uh, event as far as the credit card's concerned. So I have massively reduced my ad spend this month. Um, there's, there's a second reason, which I'll tell you in a moment or two, that, that's compelled that. But, um, you know, I've managed to squeeze the three six figure months out. It was it was whatever it was. I honestly can't remember the numbers, but um, I, th I think I got about the highest month was well with the bonus will be about sixteen, seventeen, seventeen and a half thousand pounds, which was the best month, uh, which I haven't told you about yet. Um, and so, obviously, the adverts have been running. I've spent a lot of money on the adverts. It really this is it's funny. This is an interesting thing. People say a lot of people have a block about money. But even though I can see that the ads are in profit, the amount that I've spent on adverts, £20,000 on adverts, even though that's brought in £20,000 of profit, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge amount of exposure, bearing in mind you have to wait two months to be paid by Amazon. So I have just taken the view now uh, because, you know, it, it's brought a lot of income in and it's, it's secured all my business expenses and my salary that I take out the business for the next two years. So because I kind of hit that initial target, I thought, okay, let's just step back a little bit here. Let's reduce those advertising costs. Uh, just keep it ticking over. And then when the money's in my bank and I'm not exposed anymore, we'll start to build that up a little bit. And I have pivoted the way I'm advertising at the moment, which I'll tell you about later. Now, the other reason that I've had to reduce my ad spend is because Amazon have forced a change of price on my 12 pack of books. So the 12 pack of books were 99 pence or cents. And I, I made a couple of changes. So one of the changes I made to that 12 pack was I decided that I needed to have a promotional book, which was now you see here, the one book that wasn't included in it. So I, I added some promotions and it, it still was priced at 99 pence or cents at that point. But um, I've done something else promotional that I wanted to add to the box set. And when I came back to price it, um, Amazon, would not let me have 99 pence and cents. It would only let me have $1.99. I think it would let me have 125, but it would only let me have 199 in the state. So I'd lost my nice, neat and tidy 99 pence or cents price point, which is a little bit annoying really. So um, I obviously scaled it down. I had scaled it down at that point already, but what I did is I scaled it down and I've been building it up again at the 199 price point. So it's interesting. Now, I think the reason they did that is that when you when you price at 35% at, um, profit, Amazon don't charge you the, the amount that it costs to actually download the file. Whereas when you take 70% of the profits from Amazon, they charge you for the download cost. Now, normally on a paperback, say a paperback book, a, a single book of single volume, uh, maybe 200 to 300 digital pages, that's a, a completely negligible. You barely notice it on your income. But where you've got a, a 2,500 book file, which is what mine is, over 2,500 digital pages, it's a, it's a big file. And when you look at the margin that's involved, as far as I know, and I don't know this formula, I'm just try to figure out why they put the price up. I suspect that it was not profitable for Amazon to give me 35% of the deal 
and still managed to pay the, the, the downloading costs of that massive file. And that's why I think they forced the price change on there. So I think that's a very interesting thing to be aware of. It didn't come immediately, it came over time. Now, another thing I've noticed, and I still haven't quite got the reason for this, I'm assuming it's downloading um, file costs. But um, what I've noticed about my income with Amazon is that about this time of day that I'm recording this actually, in between midday and three o'clock, my income will take a small dip. Um, and and I, I had thought, oh, is that refunds? Is that maybe people refunding during the day? Or I had wondered whether they were levying a charge on me for those download costs. I'm not quite sure what it was, but there's always a very small dip. It's not a huge one. It's not like $50 or anything like that. It's usually about $5, something very small. So refunds would account for it, uh, but also download costs might account for it as well. I'm not quite sure why that is. Um, you know, I would I would sort of question it, but it, it's not going to go away. Whatever it is, I got to pay it. So um, you know, it's fine. It all comes out in the wash, doesn't it? So um, I'm paying about I think in the US and the UK, paying about thirty thirty five pounds per day for my adverts on that book. But I'm also now what I'm really keen to get out of this is. Uh, and I said to you right from the, the outset when I told you about these five-figure months, you know, I said to you, this is not a business. What this is, is it's a very convenient and handy way of earning a lot of money in a short time and buying myself a high degree of business freedom for what's going to be a two-year period. So it's great and I'm making hay while the sun shines, but it's not a business to write 12, you know, 12, 13 books and then to sell those at 99 pence or cents forever. You know, it's it's just that that can't go on forever. So what I'm looking at now is I am finding it much easier to sell box sets on Facebook because obviously there's more margin in them. And what I'm doing at the moment is I'm selling box sets using Facebook ads. And these are thrillers, by the way. Um, and I'm I've reduced the box sets to 99 pence and cents, and I'm experimenting to see what I, what I really want to achieve from this is, uh, and I'm looking beyond this two year period that I've told you that I've secured my, my business salary for. I, I'm looking, I want to create something that is sustainable over time, and that will probably involve a complement of adverts, most likely Facebook and, and Amazon adverts with occasional bookbub promos and email promos. And what I want to do is, is try and create a situation where I've got a regulated income, so a good income of, of you know, maybe about 5,000 5, a month, something like that, uh, before ad costs, a gross, 5,000 gross income uh, per month. So maybe three, three, three and a half thousand net, something like that, um, on an ongoing sustainable basis where I'm not throwing away the baby with the bathwater. That is, I'm not pricing 12 books at 99 pence or cents. And that's what I'm. That's why I'm pivoting to try and achieve that. Uh, and and again, you know, because this has been such a, a useful kind of income period, obviously it gives me the financial freedom to be able to do that, which is great. Um, something I did want to mention to you is that um, I told you, I think, in the last diary that I did, that I'd promoted 
Now You See Her, which was the 13th book, which wasn't included in the 12th pack. I'd promoted it persistently three times through the 12th pack. And I just wanted to tell you, if you are following this strategy, I've seen a couple of people pop it up and uh, I've advised a, a couple of people about it. Um, um, I, I, it's really good to have a book in there that you can sell at full price because Now You See Her for the last couple of months since I did that has been my number two bestseller so that strategy works really well and I promoted it after the end of each of the of the trilogies in the in the 12 pack of books and I promoted it at the end of the book and that has created a constant flow of people buying now you see her at full price so again it, that evens out my uh, you know what my low price it helps me to to bring back some of that money into the business so if you are using that box set strategy um, bear that in mind the other thing I wanted to tell you is I tried the box set strategy with science fiction and and granted I, I didn't push it a lot and it worked in a tiny tiny way but actually I've switched that off now um, I, I might come back to it but I, it didn't get going in the same way as it did for thrillers so again this strategy may be genre specific you know it may be just because I'm doing thrillers that it was easier but I, I've struggled to get it going with the sci-fi books as well so this is why i was keen to do this epilogue episode really just to give you some context on this five figure um, formula you know because i want you to see it in the round i don't want you to just see the big figures and say oh well, look at that isn't that amazing i want you to see you know how, how it drops off and i want you to see some of the things obviously i've learned because i've been doing it well I, I didn't realize actually but i launched that box set in january of this year i think it was about january the 25th so it's been going for quite a considerable time now but clearly it did not generate that kind of money from the get-go it took me about six weeks to build up to those kind of income levels it doesn't happen immediately so you have to do you have to bear with it so what I would say then is that obviously the, the advertising has dropped considerably and so has the income. But I'm on target this month for um, over, from just that box set by the way, this is not the other books, from just that box set. I'm on target still for £5,000 of income from that box set this month. Um, that's So that's gross, not net. 5000 of income. And I still think if I, you know, I've, I've kind of taken the number of page reads that I've had so far, divided them by the number of days of the month, and then multiplied it by the number of days over the whole month. And that still tells me I'm on target for a million and a half page reads this month. And that's with me having um, you know, cut things right down. Now, I got my first 750 all-star bonus when I was on fewer page reads than 101.5 million. So that's why I'm saying to you, although I, I could never be sure, um, I've also been at number two, in the chart in this month so I, I can't even quite remember why I get the all-star bonuses I can never remember whether it's page reads or chart position or whatever it is but I have been in the top 10 of the charts for a considerable period of time during this month I think I, I'm, I'm out of it now probably um, and also um, the page reads are on target to be higher than when I got that first all-star bonus so I may squeeze even though I've reduced things massively I may squeeze a small all-star bonus out of this this present month um you know it's only the 19th at the moment we, we got another third of the month to go but maybe maybe we might get we might end up getting four all-star bonuses I, I mean i haven't even had it confirmed that i got one for last month but last month was my second best month so 
again, I'm, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. You're always competing with other people, of course. It's not about how many you get. It's about how many you get relative to everybody else. So I can't be sure of those things. I can only base that um, on previous numbers. Um, you know, I can't I can't be sure about it. But there's definitely two all-star bonuses in the pot, and that has been worth £2,000 of income to me over two months, which is great. Now, just the other thing, while I remember to say it, um, I know that all sounds remarkable and fantastic, but you, you learn something every time you do things like this. Um, last month, when I was on my 16, 17, whatever it's going to be, £1,000 uh, month, um, and remember, when I give you those numbers, I'm always budgeting the lowest numbers I can. It's always much more than that if we get increases. Now, which brings me to what I'm about to tell you. Last month, and, I, and I've, I've never been in tune with this at all because it never mattered to me. I wasn't sort of making significant enough subs for this to make a difference. And it must have all happened around me. And I probably never even noticed. But um, when Amazon announced how much you get for a page read... That sometimes goes up, sometimes it goes down. And it was never, I never had enough page reads. I never worked hard enough at it for me to even notice, to be honest with you. But let me tell you, when you've got like 16, 17,000 pounds worth of income sat there and Amazon halfway through the month dropped the rate for the page read, you suddenly see your income or your projected income in the KDP dashboard go right down. And um, when I saw it, I thought, oh my goodness, what the heck's this? What's happening here? And um, I think it lost about, it might have lost about 2,000, something like that, one and a half thousand pounds. So I always I, I, I always remember sort of, you know, people saying that whatever level you're at, you always have different problems. And, and then, you know, in many respects, they're nice problems to have. But I went on to 20 books to 50K and there were lots of people there saying, oh, well, you know, that, that drop, because I think it's the biggest drop there's been for a long time. That drop had meant that some people had lost $4,000 just like that when, when Amazon announced the numbers. So it's very difficult. I really haven't got the hang of this yet because, you know, I always run my numbers lower than last month, which is probably why mine didn't drop as much as everybody else's. But uh, it's very complicated. If they if they announce if they announce the Amazon numbers halfway through the month and I'm still got mine set to show a decrease from the last set of numbers, well, presumably that still means I'm going to earn more than I think I am this month. You know what I mean? It's very, it's very, it's complicated stuff, and it is very finger in the wind. You could only ever guess uh, roughly what the income's going to be. But yeah, that 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 took me by surprise. I just warn you of that. If you ever get to that sort of stage where you've got that many page reads, your income can not only go up, it could also go down just like that in one day when they announce the the KDP read through. You've got a substantial number of reads. I think I was. I had three and a half million page reads in that best month. Um, you know, it makes a big difference to your income. You're not talking like 50 quid or 10 quid. You're talking about a thousand or more uh, in one fell swoop. So it's worth me just mentioning that to you. Because I say, I want you know, I want you to get a sense of this in the round. It's not all good news. There are other things and new things to deal with as well. So as I say, that now gives me enough cash for the next sort of two years and the next, all my projects are paid for for the end of the year. So I think I think I told you this in the last diary. I've now got, um, I've paid for all my software services I use up front uh, for the next year. Um, I am, I will be drawing salary. I can, I've budgeted, I will be drawing a good salary for the business for the next two years. And I'll tell you more about that in a moment or two, about how that's going to work. 
I have put money aside for all the covers of the edits that I need until the end of this financial year when I will review my writing goals. Um, so, you know, it's a very nice flush position to be in, but still, I'm still waiting for that money to come in at the end of this month. And I, when that the money for the following month comes in, then that's kind of the Bob's your uncle moment. That's when I'm very cash rich at that point. But until then, I'm still running at risk. Now the credit cards are, are pretty well paid off. They'll be paid off when uh, they'll be paid off when this next uh, payment comes in, and then I will have accrued a good uh, sort of whack of money in the business at that point, and that will just sit sit in, in the business. And at that point, I at least know I ain't going to get stung on the credit cards. You know, I'm not running at risk anymore at that point, and I'll breathe a sigh of relief at that point. Now, because of this, it gives me sort of problems in my domestic life. In that, you know, that's a lot of money uh, sitting in an account. And if I were a sole trader, when that money arrives, I'd have to pay tax on that for this tax. And that doesn't suit me at the moment. So what I've done is I've formed a limited company. Um, and it, uh, I, I've done that using a service in the UK called Crunch. Now, in the past, I've been a limited company in the past, and when I sort of stopped doing internet marketing and just went to writing and my income was down in the business, it was safe for me to be a sole trader. You know, I wasn't going to be hitting 85,000 or whatever it is that triggers um, your, your, your VAT or anything like that. You know, I was well out of those realms. So sole trader was the right decision for the last um, sort of three years, however many years it's been since I've been a limited company. But now I need to, with that amount of money coming in like that, I, I need to be able to take the money in a tax efficient way. Uh, and that means I need to go back to a limited company. Now, I've had accountants in the past. I, I didn't find accountants very useful, to be honest with you. And I have gone very well with just managing my own accounts in an accountancy software, because these days you get an accountancy software, you link it in with your business account. And frankly, all you've got to do is reconcile the payments and put them in a certain category. That's software, that's utilities, you know, that's insurance. That's all you've got to do. And then it generates your profit and loss at the end of the year. So you don't really need an accountant at that level. It just it takes care of all of that for you. It tells you what you owe in tax. It manages your mileage and all of that sort of stuff. So I've been quite happy as a sole trader doing that. And I have had accountants in the past. And to be honest with you, um, these days, because so much of it's software based, you know, I haven't I got to the stage, this is what moved me into a sole trader again, is because I was doing a lot of PayPal transactions at the time. Even though I'd set it up to give the accountant access, I was still ending up doing the, the kind of reconciliations around PayPal because they just couldn't cope with the fact that I was dealing in dollars. And so in the end, I thought, I'm doing this anyway. I might just as well be done with it and move into a software and manage it myself because I was, I was half doing it anyway and paying a lot of money for the privilege. So now what I've done is I've kind of gone for a hybrid of that because I, I do want to be able to get a, the advice of accountant of an accountant to, number one, make sure that um, you know the way I'm taking the income is fully above board and legal. Uh, number two, that I'm paying the right amount of tax. Uh, you know, I'd rather pay more tax and less tax. I'd always rather have pleasant surprises rather than unpleasant surprises. So I do need to get access to expertise. Now with Crunch, and again, um, this is something I've been looking at for a while. What Crunch allow you to do is I have a management software, which means I can bring all my business banking in and, and, it, and, it, and it, um, Crunch set up the limited company for me. They, they did it the other day. We are already a limited company. I've made my wife a director. There's two directors in the company. That's me and my wife. 
Um, so, so we've got the company. They set it up properly with Companies House. Do all the minutes and everything correctly. That's fantastic. Um, they've given me advice about how then to migrate my sole trader account into a limited account, which is also fantastic. But what I get now is unlimited phone support, which means when I'm uh, saying I want to take a dividend, how much dividend can I take? You know, how much of a tax event will that create? What's the best way to manage this between my wife and myself? Then I can, I've got somebody at the end of a phone who I can ask about that, and they will prepare my accounts and submit them to Companies House. Plus, also, I can get any Companies House information sent to their UK address, and they will forward it to me. So it gives me kind of, um, I think, I haven't, I'm not far enough in yet. I'll kind of let you know on this podcast how it goes. But it gives me that kind of hybrid arrangement where I can get expert advice from people who know what they're talking about but without having to pay sort of the high expenses of an accountant. And it also allows me to be on top of my accounts because my accounts aren't that complicated. Um, they're very simple accounts, I think. Um, you know, I've got money effectively coming in from Amazon, which comes in. I've got uh, dribs and drabs of affiliate income coming in. And I've got book covers, promos, you know, Facebook ads going out. It's They're not complicated expenses in any way. Now, the other reason why I'm keen to use Crunch is because as well as taking out my um, director's dividend allowance, which obviously my wife and I get um, as well, and I can make my wife's ticket. Um, tax situation work uh, more effectively as well. Um, I also want to set up a, a payroll which I could do within Crunch. So um, I want to put myself on payroll and, and, and my wife will be on payroll uh, when, she, when we go to Spain uh, so that I could use her tax allowance. So you can see we're, we're kind of into we're into financial management stuff here. I'm not an expert on this, but I do know because I've had a limited company before that having a limited company allows you to take your money in a more tax effective way rather than just having to pay tax on this big sum that suddenly arrives in your account. And it, it, you know, it gives me it gives me problems in all sorts of other ways, which I'm not going to go into. So I do have to manage that. And, and, and I think I have hinted at this in previous diaries, a limited company now, although I don't really want to do it it's more formal it's more hassle than i want it to be i think a limited company is certainly the right decision while i'm working this money um, through you know th through the business in that i don't want or need to take it as income straight away i want to take it as graduated uh, you know slow release income um also i want obviously want to take it in a tax effective way and i want to make sure it doesn't impact anything else in my domestic life so i have to go limited company to be able to control that uh money release so um you know again hopefully that's of use to you and if you live in the uk crunch is what i'm using to do that now the jury's you know i can't tell you anything about crunch the other thing i've done by the way is um i was a little bit limited with crunch in the, in the banks that it allows me to connect to so what i have done is um i i've been messing around a lot with these app-based businesses I'm, I'm thinking very much everything i'm doing now i'm thinking about spain and i'm thinking about kind of a life on the road without that kind of you know that hope the home like we've got now um you know everything's in storage and i'm i'm moving around a, a bit and, and i want to be able to do everything on the phone so um crunch will work with my existing bank which is santander for business and um, everything's a bit slow at the moment because they haven't got back to me yet but i have messaged santander and said can we change this sole trade account and just change it to the limited account and just leave everything as it is I haven't got an answer for that yet um and then i started looking at monzo business which is one of these lovely app-based um 
sort of services, banking services. Uh, and uh, Monzo looks great, actually. I, I love it, and its charging structure is good, but it won't integrate with Crunch yet. And I'm not, I am not bringing in uh, sort of CSV downloads of my banking statement and then importing them into Crunch. This has to be an automated service for me. So I could use Santander if Santander let me go ahead. But what I've done in the meantime is I've registered at Starling Bank in the UK, which is one of these lovely internet banks that I could just run on my mobile phone. And um, I've re registered the, the limited account through the Starling Bank. And with Starling, I can connect that to Crunch and it will automatically just pull in all my banking transactions, which I can then reconcile. So uh, the great uh, deep joy of registering for a limited company account. And again, you know, I wouldn't have done it voluntarily, but I, I was looking at the, the earnings that I've got coming in and just thought, you know, I, I can't, I just can't let that go into a single tax year. I, I got to manage that money um, better. I can't just have a great whack of tax on it in a single tax year. Um, and, and also it doesn't make any sense from a company point of view, because you know I, I need to keep it in the company to, to buy the things I need over a period of time because I'm not going to be able to sustain that. Um, you know, even even if I can, even if I on an ongoing basis could get my income to you know that five thousand pounds a month, which would be very nice. It's not good to be at those levels. So I, I you know I do want to sort of buy myself uh, two years of not having to worry about these things and try and move my business onto that next sustainable level where it's constantly bringing in a kind of I want I think I want it to be re reliable now. I want to get rid of the fits and starts and I want it to generate for me a reliable monthly income. Uh, that uh, that I so uh, some of that income obviously will go back into the business, but I want to be able to take out a salary on a sustainable ongoing business. That's really what I'm looking to achieve from that now. So there you go. There's a lot of business stuff uh, to bring you up to date. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention to you, um, this is quite important too, is that um, I've been applying for bookbubs during this period. So um, I haven't got. A, I really would like a bookbub because, of course, that would bring a lot of income in uh, without me having to pay for Facebook ads. Now, um, they've knocked back the Don't, not Don't Tell Meg, the Walker Bay trilogy. They've knocked that back twice now. Uh, so that has not had a book bub yet. And I'm about to try it. I think it's next week, 23rd of June. Yeah, 23rd of June. I can try that next time. Now, I was reading, I was trying to work out why they were knocking it back because it got great reviews. You know, I, I, I don't know why they wouldn't run that one. And the only reason I can see is that perhaps it doesn't have a flat cover. It's got one of these 3D box sets on the cover. So what I've done in preparation for that is I've put a flat cover on. Now, because it's Amazon exclusive, that's another reason why they might be knocking it back, by the way, because everything is Amazon exclusive at the moment. Uh, because it's Amazon exclusive, that might be one reason. But um, when you, the, the, the reason for having the sort of flat, flat cover is because I think is it, I think it's Apple don't like the 3D covers. I think it's Apple who banned the 3D covers. Um, don't quote me on that. Um, so I know that when you're doing a BookBub wide, you would not want to have a 3D cover on there. And, and BookBub never give you a reason. They don't say, but you know, change that cover and then you'll be all right. They just reject you. So I was looking at all the rules of the regs and things like that. And I thought, right, well, obviously we all know that BookBub prefers your book to be wide rather than Amazon exclusive. But I have had Amazon exclusives, so I thought, okay, the only reason I can see there is a flat cover. So I'm trying it with a flat cover um, on the 23rd of June. And then Don't Tell Meg 
is available for promotion. It was promoted almost six months ago now. I can start to promote Don't Tell Meg on the 2nd of July. So in preparation for that, I have got some extra um, 3D sort of book covers made for two permutations. Now, there is, as always, there's strategy to my thinking here. I can't, when I've got 12 books, Amazon have told me I can't price those at 99 pence or cents because the book file is too big. So if I create a 10 book uh, sort of mega pack, then they will let me list that. I know because I've made the vellum file already. They will let me list that at 99 pence or cents. So what I've done is I've assembled 10 books. One of them has the Walker Bay trilogy in. The other one has the Don't Tell Meg trilogy in. And depending on which one, if either of them, get a, a book bub first, um, I will list the 10 box set, uh, excluding the book bub promo, so I can take the full money off the, the, the trilogy that's in the book bub promo. And then I will go back to a 99 pence cents offer again and start to promote that as a, as a brand new offer at 99 pence or cents. So I went on Fiverr, I got two cover options done. So 10 books, which is basically my seven standalones, which includes Now You See Her, which the original box set didn't have, plus a book, plus a trilogy. So it's so it's the seven standalones, plus either Morgan Bay trilogy or Don't Tell Meg trilogy. And the graphics, one of them has Don't Tell Meg trilogy at the front of the graphic. The other one has the Morgan Bay trilogy at the front of the graphic. So uh, I also made the vellum files last night. Let me just mention to you once again, it took me no time at all with Venom. It's so easy to create a 10 book box set with, with all those permutations in. So, you know, get Venom. <laughs> I told you it last week and I'm telling you it again, get Venom. Um, so the other thing that I've done in that is um, I'm writing a new book, which I'll tell you about more about later. I've also got um, the, because I've started writing that book now, I've got the promo, uh, some preview text of the new book, Walker Bay 4. I got it edited by Judy Cordner this week. And I've now, I, I've got it on pre-sale. Book four of the Walker Bay series is on pre-sale. And I'm now uh, peddling within that book, very, uh, not aggressively, assertively is the word. I'm trying to get people to buy book four in the Walker Bay trilogy. That's the one I want them to buy. So, that's how I'm working it. Um, but I need to wait to see what happens with BookBub first. So whether I get one or neither, that's really what I'm waiting to see before I pivot there. So so the 12 pack at that point will come off sale. I'll probably, the 12 pack will probably be raised in price to 9.99 because it will still get uh, Kindle Unlimited readers at 9.99. It just won't get um, upfront sales and it won't get the visibility because of the price. And I will make the new offer a 10 book offer and start from scratch with that again. Um, you know, using the same audience that's worked for me already. And I have, and I have to build that up again uh, to as high a level as I can build it up to. Okay, so I'll come back to um, fiction in a moment or two. I just wanted to bring you up with the non-fiction because I've, that's pretty well what I've been doing mostly under lockdown. So pretty well under lockdown. I've certainly got three books published. I've, I wrote about two and a half books, if memory serves me correctly. The timescales are a bit confusing now. But effectively, I did the How to Start a Podcast, How to Create and Sell Digital Products, and the five-figure uh, fiction formula. Those, those are the, the, the books that I've done. They are all written and released now. 
they have been released wide, so they are available at full price on all platforms. Now, to date, my policy has been not to price down my non-fiction books. My view of non-fiction is, as I outline in the, in the one non-fiction chapter that I popped in the uh, five-figure fiction formula, is that people buy non-fiction because of they are in pain and by in pain i mean they're trying to find out how to do something so with the five figure fiction formula you're trying to find out how to make five figures from your fiction uh, you know the, the the clues in the title um so your motivation is different with non-fiction which is why i don't price it down you either want to buy a non-fiction book or you don't you know that that's it you either have that pain or you don't um and so um if you if you need to find solve that pain you pay whatever you have to for the book and that's why you can make more money from non-fiction so I, that's why i have a policy of not pricing my non-fiction down so for instance um if you're not the slightest bit interested in starting a podcast and i offer you my podcast book for 99 pence you're not going to say well look i'm not the slightest bit interested in podcasts but i'll buy it because it's cheap you're not going to do that you're not going to give it a try because you don't want to start a podcast you don't have that pain and that's why i don't price down non-fiction books now, that's not to say I never will if there's a proper promo with non-fiction books in it, you know, a kind of self-development promotion or something like that. But up front, that is not going to be part of my strategy. Now, the other thing about those non-fiction books is um, they I use the flop it out approach of marketing, which is I didn't do anything for the launches. And I, I've sort of become more confident of that approach Um I, I, as I've been sort of doing more of it, mainly because you know I make more money from certain titles I did several years ago, only because I've learned how to to market them better now. And I know with those books, um, I just released them. They'd made some pre-sales, and that's it. Uh, and thank you very much if you bought one of those books and reviewed it, because I know a lot of you did. So thank you for that. Um, but I'll basically with the non-fiction, I'll get around to it. You know, at some point, I'll get around to uh, marketing those correctly and I can tell you at the moment that I'm um, already the how to start a podcast book I'm using Facebook ads on that and that already has replaced my MailChimp book as my my number one best earning non-fiction book now the point of the non-fiction books was never that I would have a non a best-selling non-fiction book I'm simply not going to for those titles then you know if I wanted to have a best-selling non-fiction book it would have to have a title like you know uh, you can transform your life whoever you are it would have to be a mass uh, a, a mass book uh, you know that, that promised change to an every man kind of reader that's how you get best-selling non-fiction books you know or it's a you know it's a, a book about Trump or something like that that's how you get best-selling non-fiction books my books are never good to be bestsellers from my point of view strategically they're what I call chuggers they're books that will sell consistently not necessarily highly but consistently over time and I'd spotted this with my WordPress and MailChimp books that even though I wasn't marketing them they were bringing in regular income month after month after month and that has been my strategy with these non-fiction books to create books that don't date fast um, that, that just sell themselves based on keywords and also those of you who bought the books will know that I've used a strategy with these books where I don't put web links in the book instead I divert you I send you to a, a special web page that has all the web links on it and of course I make money 
through the affiliate links that I've got on those pages as well. You know, so that that is the strategy for those books. Now, here's another interesting learning point. This is why I was quite keen to just bring you this epilogue because there's a few things I just want to tell you. I want to share with you. The um, quite intentionally, the um, title of my writing book is the Five Figure uh, Fiction Formula, and and that is a very internet marketing -y kind of title a lot of people bulk at titles like that that's all that sells sounds sound scammy but I, let, let, let me tell you what i learned in years of internet marketing is that everybody moans about scammy sort of seeming products that promise to make you you know rich or 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 you know make you five figures and things like that everybody moans about them all right but but if you remove those titles and say how to be a writer for instance you called that book how to be a writer all right it would sell nothing um, the, the truth of it is, is that everybody moans about titles like that, but people buy them by the bucket load and they don't buy the completely boring titles that are completely non-scammy. And I learned this in internet marketing. Um, you know, you've got, you, 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 what is it? They sell the sizzle, not the sausage. You know, you've got to have an element of salesmanship, but I've, I've obviously used a little bit too much salesmanship on this because I started to advertise that book on Facebook this week and they've knocked me back. Uh, and they, uh, so I can submit it for review, um, but they, they have knocked it back because they say it's like, um, is it a multi-level marketing product? So now I can appeal it, um, but I obviously, it obviously looks a bit too scammy for them. So, so it's on my things to do pile. I need to look at it and say, right, do I need to change the title of that book? You know, have I shot myself in the foot by giving it a title like that? Am I gonna have to come up with another title and maybe get the cover remade? I'm not sure. So I'm mulling that one over at the moment. The other thing, of course, I could do is not put the cover in the advert. I could use different images for the advert, although I feel like I need the cover um, in the advert. So I've got that option as well. Um, so I, I'm just mulling these things over. But one of the things, you know, worst case scenario is I might need to change the title of the book so that I can advertise it on Facebook. Um, and if I change the title of the book, I thought, well, I, I can still use the original cover and I could maybe use the original cover um, and maybe add a chapter or two to that and add the extra chapters, make them available as an opt-in on, on a website or something like that. So um, that's in the pending pile. But the, the key kind of learning point, the thing I wanted to share with you is that because it's got that kind of scammy um, sounding title and as you know um, and I, I refer readers to it you know in, in the book I show you the evidence and the proof that I've done the five figures so you know that was how I felt that the difference was there that in internet marketing you know frankly um, you know you, you'd say you can earn all this money but you know yes only if the wind's blowing in this direction and this there were all sorts of provisos you know I waited till I'd earned the five figures first before I wrote the book and the book doesn't promise to, to make you five figures the book promises to show you the steps I took or the blueprint that I took that you can follow and the book specifically says that you know it's a blueprint it's it, you know you can't do exactly what I did and get the same results because it, it depends on genre it depends on your covers it depends on your blurb it depends on so many things um, you know but you could follow the steps that got me there I can't show you how to do it you've got to figure that bit out yourself but I can tell you what I did to get there so the premise of the book is not scammy, even though the title might sound a little bit scammy. So again, I'm gonna to have to work my way through that. Just bear that in mind when you're titling your books. That's really why I flagged that up to you. 
I've got um, two more non-fiction books sketched out. I think I said to you that I wasn't inclined to write any more non-fiction. Um, but when I get to my fiction writing, I'll, I'll talk to you about that in a moment or two. And that's going really well at the moment. My wife still isn't back at work. I think my wife's going to be back at work sometime in July. So, you know, domestic life is still massively disrupted. But I'm roughly working on the basis that I think my wife will be back. She's not going to be back to her normal working pattern, but I think she'll be in work two or three days a week. So my aim now is I, I, I want to write 10,000 words of fiction a week. That's a nice pace for me to write fiction. At the moment, I'm writing that over six days. So I'm writing 1,700 words six days a week. And that's about an hour of writing a day for me. And that's completely achievable for me. Um, for domestic reasons, for two days since I started writing fiction again, I did write um, two lots of two, uh, 1,700 words. So three and a half thousand words, whatever that adds up to be. So I have almost written the 5,000 words. Um, by choice, I'm not writing the 5,000 words because with the family home and you know still playing Scrabble with my mum and things like that, I don't want to be locked away for that amount of time. But if my wife goes back for, if she goes back for at least two days, that's great. That will mean I can then uh, lock myself away and get my fiction writing done over two days. Well, that would then leave me sort of three days, which are days like they are now when my wife's around and just things are a little bit more flexible and informal. So um, I'm thinking, right, if, if the wife goes back to work, if I'm able to get the 10,000 words done over two days like I used to, that leaves me with three days. And I would like then to come back to nonfiction if I'm able to do that. Um, but so it, so there's a big question mark over this. You know, we have to get back to that pattern. Um, and then I would be writing every day of the week. But I'm not. I don't want to write five thousand words every day of the week. So I would basically, on the days my wife's home, I write for an hour, be about a thousand and a half words a day, nonfiction. Which again, when I write nonfiction, I can have music on. I can be doing. You know, I can have other things on. Um, it's only when I write. Um, fiction that I have to lock everything down and work in silence. Um, so the two non-fiction books that I've got sketched out, and actually this was inspired by Dave uh, Gochran, who who released a free book last week, which I recommend you get your hands on. It's in my emails at the moment. Let me just uh, tell you what it's called. I can't remember what it's called. It was called Following. Um, Dave Gochran released a free book called Following. So do try and look that up because it was really good. When I was reading Dave's book, it's basically... Uh, a fairly brief author platform book, which I, of course I have written in the past. And, and Dave didn't do any screenshots or diagrams or anything like that. When I read, Dave, read Dave's book, number one, everything he told you was what I've told you, which is like, you know, use SiteGround for hosting, use BookFund, all the things I tell you. I thought, right, well, Dave, you know, Dave's a big kind of guru guy. We all listen to Dave. And I thought everything he's told you there is what I would have told you. So I, I you know, I'm completely in alignment with what Dave Gockrod is saying. But also when I saw his kind of platform book, I thought, well, you know, I can write a platform book like that, obviously with my words and my thoughts and my recommendations in. But when I saw his kind of model for what he'd written, I thought, well, that's kind of what I want to write. So that's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. So um, hence then the titles are The Author Platform Blueprint, which will basically be me telling you, you know, what how to do your website, but it won't have screenshots or anything like that. It'll say, this is what I used to do my website. This is how I do it. And so the sort of things I would tell you with a website are, you know, use WordPress. You've already heard that in the 
in the special episode that I gave you a few weeks ago. But also I would recommend now, you know, don't pay somebody to design it. I tell you to get a block builder like Elementor to do it, which is what I'm using for my websites now. Um, you know, I, so there are certain things I tell you where I can tell you the principles without showing you how to do it. So author platform blueprint is one. And the other one is the email marketing master plan. Those are the two sort of non-fiction books I've got sketched in because people keep saying to me, you should write one on email marketing, or they, they say more specifically, you should write one on MailerLite. Well, I'm not going to write one on MailerLite, but I am very happy to write one on email marketing. And again, you know, that, that book, if you listened to the MailChimp special episode I did and the MailerLite special episode that I did, I would be talking to you about principles and ways to do things. I wouldn't be showing you how to do it. And I just sort of felt when I saw Dave's book, I thought, well, yeah, that's kind of what I want to write. Um, so that gave me the sort of inspiration and confidence to tackle those subjects. So th those books are just sort of in the planning. I'm not, I'm not doing anything with them until my wife's back at work and I can achieve this get back to that routine where I write 5,000 fiction words a day and then obviously because I'm not doing formal work now I'm not going into office work or doing my uh, client work anymore I got um, I got another five days of the week where I could write you know a thousand words uh, a chapter of non-fiction a day with music on you know it's not sort of it doesn't sort of clamp me down uh, restrict me in the same way as writing my fiction does let's now move on to my current fiction writing because when we last spoke I wasn't doing any fiction. I was nervous about writing fiction again. I might have just started to plan. I can't even remember where I'd started to plan the book that I'm writing at the moment. So let me tell you where I am with fiction. Since we last spoke, I've been revising my Don't Tell Meg trilogy at the rate of three chapters per day. So I've just done that today before I recorded this. I finish book two, The Murder Place, next week. Um, and then I, I move on to The Forgotten Children. And The Forgotten Children will be re-edited by the 17th of July. And then I've got Stuart Bache booked in to resize my paperback covers and just slightly reword the blurb on the back so I can then republish those in their edited form. Now, I've had some brilliant feedback from Facebook readers on that series. Now, if you think, I think I wrote that series in 2014, I think it was. And then, you know, I, I've had, um, you know, so, some, most people seem to love it. Some people really hate it. Um, and, and it might be because of the sex scenes in there. There's a lot of swearing. It just makes me laugh. I've been laughing my head off at it, actually. And a lot of people have told me, you know, how, how that it's a serious book, but that there's a lot of laughs in it. Uh, and, and I've been reading it, you know, having not read it for years, and, and I've been laughing my head off today. It's fairly puerile, of course, but, um, you know, it, it did make me laugh still. And enough readers tell me that it makes them laugh to sort of think, right, well, that's staying in. And the other thing is I'd always assumed that that book was, you know, probably not my best because it was the first ones I'd read. Now, let me tell you, with sort of four years extra experience under my belt, I thought there was, for some reason, I'd, I thought there must be loads of head hopping in it and all sorts of things. And, you know, there isn't. It's a, I'm really pleased with it. I'm reading it, you know, four or five years on and thinking I really love this story. I love these characters. I'm really pleased with my dialogue in there. I have reduced... Um, some of the bluntness of the language and, and some of the sort of sexual talk in there. Um, but but actually, 
I've left a lot of it in because it's central to the plot. And to be honest with you, I've made very, very few edits in that book because I read it and I thought, I'm really enjoying this. You know, it's my book and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I'd forgotten a lot of the things that are happening as I'm reading it. I'm thinking, oh, that works well. You know, that's that's good. Because I, I just assumed I'd got better at this stuff, but I, I'm just really pleased with it. Um, and, and, and so, again, you, I guess you get this confidence over time. You know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. That's fine. I'm selling a hell of a lot of copies uh, of it, and I've had a lot of great feedback um, for it as well. Um, and, it, and it's leveled off at about four stars um, on Amazon. So I have toned down, you know, some of the bits. But you know, if I tone it down too much, it takes the personality out of the book. I don't want it to be a bland book. The other thing is, obviously, is I'm reading. I'm reading psychological thrillers all the time. I'm reading one at the moment. You know, that has kind of sex talking. It's an adult book, for goodness sake. You know, it, it re relates to sexual relationships and things like that. It, you know, none of it's offensive stuff. And frankly, if you don't like it, then you, you need to be reading cosy mysteries and not my stuff. So, um, you know, I, I've. I just feel a lot more confident about it. So I have made some tweaks. I will re-edit it and re-upload those, but I'm not cutting it all out. I'd gone into it expecting I'd be cutting a lot of stuff and changing a lot of stuff. And actually, it just doesn't need it. It's had a good it's had a good edit, and um, I'm very happy with it. And uh, I'm not going to change very much of it. Uh, it's only very small tweaks. And I can tell you that the main tweaks that I've made in it are strategic, in that um, there's some characters that I use in the Don't Tell Meg series. Now, in my head, the Don't Tell Meg series was kind of based a bit in Lancaster and a bit in Carlisle, but I never located the city that they lived in. Uh, a lot of the action took place in Newcastle and in Blackpool, where I was very detailed about it. And I've had a lot of feedback from people saying they love the Blackpool stuff. They love the scenes in Blackpool, um, which is very interesting. Um, I had lots and lots of really positive feedback during these um, Facebook ads for the box. I've had a lot of love for that trilogy, uh, the Morecambe Bay trilogy. I've had a lot, a lot of love for the box, actually. I'm really, really pleased with how it's gone. It has boosted my confidence a lot. Um, but uh, as far as the location was concerned, I've now tied it down to Lancaster. So the Don't Tell Meg trilogy is based in Lancaster. Now, I've done that strategically because... I use a couple of the characters, DCI Kate Summers and a clairvoyant called Stephen Terry. And I used those characters in my Walker Bay trilogy. And one of the comments I, I was getting from readers who, who bought this massive box set on Facebook was that they loved it, that, that these characters recurred. And so what I've done, um, and I don't need to do very much with it, to be honest with you, because I was always picturing Lancaster in my mind when I wrote it, I just didn't say it was Lancaster, is I've tied down a couple of the locations in Don't Tell Meg to firmly root them in my Walker Bay trilogy series. Now, they're not part of the Walker Bay trilogy, because um, though, though, frankly, they probably, they probably could be because one of the main characters goes to live in a static caravan park, which is actually in Morecambe Bay. So, you know, it, it, it's not quite the bay, but it's the same area. So I've tied it down to the bay area. I've just made sure that the cross-references between characters sort of set, set the books up. And I've done this so that at the end of the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, I can say, find out more about the adventures of DeSai Summers and Stephen Terry and other characters that I'm going to bring in in the Walker Bay trilogy. And similarly in the Walker Bay trilogy, I could say, you know, find out more about this character. Now, I'm on book four of the Walker Bay trilogy at the moment. I'll tell you more about that in a, in a second or two. And what I did this week was I had a phone conversation between the character, the main character of the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, 
um, and the, the main character, one of the main characters in the Walker Bay trilogy, to further link the worlds. So this is completely strategic on my part, so I can cross-promote the books, because that then gives me a universe that features nine books, the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, and I'll have the six books of the two Walker Bay trilogies, uh, and I can cross-promote them all within the same universe um using a, cr a cross of, of characters so um you know that primarily uh, is what i'm doing in the edits of the don't tell meg trilogy so what am i writing at the moment i am currently I'm, I'll, I'll reach thirty thousand words tomorrow when i write on saturday of my new book which is called trust me once this is book four in the morecambe bay series but book one in the second morecambe bay trilogy so this trilogy is a standalone series using the protagonists um, from the previous trilogy but just moving them on now it's a standalone trilogy so you could pick up trilogy two it's a self-contained story but of course it does refer back to other elements in the universe because i want to be flogging more books so this is my attempt now to write a series but my series will be made up of two trilogies in actual fact, you know, really, it's three trilogies already because of the way I'm 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 making uh, the what's it called the Don't Tell Meg trilogy because of the way I'm 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 making that link with the universe. So I'm thirty thousand words in. I've been writing one thousand seven hundred words a day for the last couple of weeks, um, and I'm writing six days a week. Uh, at the moment and that's working extremely well for me you know with all the dis I was worried about the disruption to the day so all it means is I lock myself away for an hour during the day usually between sometime between um, 10 o'clock in the morning and one o'clock uh, you know before lunchtime I'm getting one hour of concentrated writing done per day every day um, and so I'm at 30,000 words now I'm getting 10,000 words written per week so yeah this is my third week of writing because I hit 30,000 words tomorrow so um, I was really nervous about coming back to fiction as you know but I've planned out that book. Um, I, I, I've really found a, a system that's working well for me with planning now, where I write all the chapter numbers down. I write about three sentences about what happens in each chapter before I start writing the book. I write a little note to say where's the action or the tension in that chapter to make sure that I, I keep the, the suspense going throughout the book. There has to be a pivot point, a, a moment of truth, a, um, you know, be dropping a, a clue or some information that sort of keeps the reader uh, reading and reading and reading. So I make sure that I put that in each point and then I, um, then I start writing the book. So it's going, it's going really well, I'm very happy with it. I'm loving the story, loving being back with the characters again. And my wife started reading it. Uh, she was hooked from the first chapter. And also, I sent uh, Julie Cordner, who, who's editing my thriller books. Um, Julie, I sent her the first, I think it was the t first two chapters, I think it was. And then a little extract from another chapter, which basically just frames the whole book. So if you read that section, you got, you kind of get you you're well into it at that point. And I've, I've now put that into the vellum files for my 12 pack, the um, trust me, Truth, uh, what is it? Truth Be Told, which is book three of the Walker Bay trilogy and the box set. Um, and I've started already, people are buying that and I'm getting pre-orders for Walker Bay 4, which isn't even out till November. So I got a formal edit from Julie on that to make sure that it's, you know, of proper revised quality. And that now is going to be selling books for me till November. Um, because what I want people to do is to finish reading the first Walker Bay trilogy and then to go straight on to the preview and to think 
I've got to read this. <laughs> you know, I've got to read this book. I'm straight into this adventure. And that's what I'm going to use to drive pre-sales. So I want to try and break my record for pre-sales, which is a, is it a measly 175 or something is the most pre-sales I've ever done something like that. It's not very, not very impressive, is it? Let me just have a quick look at the numbers. Um, but I want to try and, you know, I want to try and up that number of pre-sales if I can for... Uh, 174 yeah so the most pre-sales i've ever managed to achieve is 174 which was on the first walker bay trilogy so let's see if we can beat that by having a pre-sale ready how many months is it what are we now june so june july august september october november five months of pre-sales let's see if i can you know get that beyond the 175 level i should be able to so um plenty of activity on that front i'm uh, i've got elizabeth mackie ready to do the covers for me so i want to get the covers for all three books done so i can promote them and get sort of excitement going for them people can see the covers and go oh, that looks good so um i'm going to get the covers done i'll probably set the pre-orders too uh, fairly early I'll, I'll probably get the pre-orders on the whole series um just hope i don't get um, you know covid19 i think we have to be careful at the moment with covid19 it feels like well it depends where you are in the world but you know with everybody going out you have to remind yourself that this ain't over and i can still catch this thing um, you know we're all getting getting a bit relaxed i think and um, you know i have to always remember one of my wife's friends has had it and it's taken her she's been really ill and it's taken her about 12 weeks to recover from it so i always have to you know i always have to put that proviso in that clearly i've got um, targets and deadlines but you know if the illness strikes there's not a lot any of us could do about that and I, I had that conversation with Julie Cordner you know we have to make these plans but there is a virus still out there and it might knock us back which means that we can't hit these schedules but I think you know we have to we have to do these schedules in the meantime we have to make some plans and we have to carry on um, with things so and I have I have cut myself some considerable slack within that time so um, yeah, it's lovely to be back writing fiction again. Very happy with the story. Uh, book uh, book five is going to be called Fall from Grace, and book six is going to be called Bound by Blood, and they all need to be written by the end of October when we're still hoping to get to Spain. And Elizabeth Mackey will do those covers for me. I've got to have the briefs done for her by the end of next week, and she'll have them for me probably mid July, and that will then allow me to market those books effectively. Um, you know, uh, it's a bit nerve wracking sort of having to get the blurbs done for the books ahead of time. But I, I, I know what the story is. You know, I, I, although I haven't planned it out in chapter by chapter detail, um, I always when you write a trilogy, I always know my arc. I have to know the arc of the trilogy because uh, although a, a book has to have its sort of climactic moments, it has to build to a climax. Also with a trilogy, it has to build to a climax over the trilogy. Um, as well so I know what my arc is across the trilogy I, I kind of know the bare bones of the story even though I haven't planned it down to chapter by chapter detail so I will be able to write those blurbs in sufficient detail you know to get the paperback and ebook covers uh, ready to go and, and if I had to change them I'd just pay Elizabeth Mackey to make some adjustments you know it's no once she's done the files it's no hassle so I just pay for adjustments if I need them Julie Corden is booked in for the Morgan Bay trilogy we've synchronized our diaries and um, I've got my delivery dates for Julie and Julie's got her delivery dates for me so the sequence then you know COVID-19 uh, permitting and everything else that's going on in the world permitting I plan to 
uh, release, uh, well, it's on pre-release, so I'm going to have to release it. Walker Bay 4 is going to be released on November the 2nd. By the way, I am doing uh, rapid release. I'm doing the 28-day principle because it does work, I think, when you've got a box set like this. Um, I will be working on the 28-day release principle on this. So uh, Walker Bay 4 on the 2nd of November, Walker Bay 5 on the 28th of November, Walker Bay 6 on the 28th. 8th of December and the box set on the 25th of January and then you know that that will be a kind of mini uh, rapid release but that I found that that worked well and it worked well to get the pre-orders um, you know that's how I got my pre-orders by, by running that sort of sequence of events so um, that's great you know very happy to be back to fiction writing again I was really worried when the pandemic started that I, that I was kind of so um, out of routine that that wouldn't happen but I'm, I'm back on a produ I'm, I'm being very productive but I, uh, I'm not working every hour God send so I can tell you that my roughly my days now are pretty well as they were when I last did a diary for you which is you know I get up early and do a run um, I do an hour's worth of writing sometime in between 10 and 1 I do three chapters worth of editing by sort of one o'clock by the time I have a snack um, I'm still playing Scrabble with my mum in the afternoons and then the rest of the time and as you'll hear when I get to my general writing news I'm doing lots of other things that are business related but they don't require the same amount of concentration that actually doing writing um, involves. For those of you who've missed these diaries you have got a long one this week because I'm just on my general writing news now and uh, I have been using this time very productively. I've really enjoyed it actually. I, I did say to you that when I stopped working and went on pension and things like that that I knew life would change and then of course the moment I did that on my 55th birthday which is literally the day before when you when I was 55 that's the day I started drawing the pension that triggered the pension being 55 then literally the world changed in the UK so I've had no opportunity really to get any kind of measure of this but I have got a sense of how it's going to work I guess now so um, I have really enjoyed this time and made the most of it to just, I don't know, just throw everything up in the air and reconsider it and work out what I want to do and what I enjoy. So I think I have used this time in a productive way. One of the things I have done now, and so much mopping up to do because, you know, I've been chasing my tail for so long and it's been really satisfying for me to, to just sort so many things out in these pockets of time that I've had. One of the things that I've done now is all my paper book paperbacks are available so every book I've written ever is now available on Amazon as a paperback and every book I've written with the exception of the grid trilogy and phase six I think it is uh, is available on Ingram Spark would you believe now Ingram Spark had they must have been cursing me by the way do you know they had this free promo to list your book and for free revisions? Well, I, I listed how many books is that did I list? I've listed everything but four. So it's about 19 books on that free promo. Um, I got Stuart Bache to do the paperback covers for the six uh, thrillers that I hadn't got uh, paperback covers for. So um, the grid the grid covers, um, would, uh, Amazon, was uh, not Amazon, KDP, not even KDP, Ingram Spark, that's what they're called. Ingram Spark wouldn't accept those covers. You know, they're it's very glitchy, their process. I don't like really I don't like it at all. Um, but you have to work with it, don't you? It won't accept the grid covers. And um, so for that reason, uh, I don't really mind about the grid because um, that is now the last the grid is the last of the books that I've written 
that I would quite like to re-edit at some point. Now, I'm not going to do it in this year, uh, but next year I might come to do a reread of the grid and, and re-edit it. And if I do that, I'll probably pay for some new covers and, and, and relaunch those because they're good little stories. Uh, they do just probably need a, a, an edit so or a re-edit, knowing what I, I know now. So um, loads of books now on Ingram Spark. I did want to um, prioritise the secret bunker on Ingram Spark. Those covers were fine. They work fine. Um, Ingram Spark didn't sort of churn them up and spit them out uh, because I know the people in the secret bunker uh, uh, wanted to buy those through, um, what is it, gardeners. They like to buy them through gardeners. So I've done that as a, as a courtesy to them. But all really, I wanted my thrillers and my non-fiction on Ingram Spark and the way it all started is because I'd said well my thrillers sorry my non-fiction I wanted to get across all the channels I started to list those kind of you know grappled with Ingram Spark and thought oh you know this isn't so bad let's make sure all my, my current thrillers are listed and then and then I got the covers from Stuart Bash I thought well, I might as well do these and bit by bit by bit I ended up getting virtually all my books listed so I think it's about 19 books listed on Ingram Spark now but every single book now has a paperback version um, on Amazon uh, at least and as you know you don't, you don't sell any books Ingram Spark I, I can see I'm selling a handful of books um, traditional outlets I don't really care about you know if they pick them up that's great if they don't that's also great um, but I do know that I sell in a very small way, a steady stream of paperbacks. Some people prefer to read paperbacks, so I do want to make paperbacks available um, to readers, and, and they, I'm quite happy selling those and dispatching those through Amazon most of the time. But I thought, you know, where there's no hassle, where there's no friction, no problem, I thought, well, I might as well list these. I paid for the covers. I might as well list them on Ingram Spark and maybe just hit a couple of extra outlets. So that feels good to have got that done. Here's a big surprise for you. My whiteboard that I've talked about for years with my quarterly goals on, it's to my left here and it's empty. And also the hook to my left here, where you hear me shuffling my weekly planning sheet, it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Now, don't worry, I haven't given up. I have finally found an online way of managing my planning that I love. And I've been using it for a couple of weeks. I've, I've taken a few trials of this. is what I like, you know, when you've got kind of money in the business and you don't have to be worried about the cash all the time uh, or watching the cash as much. Taking trials and I can buy stuff and things like that, try stuff out. And um, interestingly, the solution was very close to home. I've used a service called Trello for years. And I've, I think I've probably mentioned this in the diaries. I use Trello. Um, and I have done for years, I use it for what I call the idea machine. I put all my crazy ideas in Trello. Every silly little thought or creative thought I have that might make a book or uh, an idea in a book, I just write them all in Trello and I have done for years. And I read that whenever I'm a bit stuck for a story and I'm beginning to think about stories, I, I just read all the ideas in that Trello board. And it usually just gets my creative juices going or I might be able to pick an idea out of there and, and turn it into something. And that's, I've used it for ages. And, um, I just sort of thought, well, we're still planning to go to Spain and I can't use my whiteboard. And, and oh, I know what it was. I was shredding. That's what it was. I was shredding papers. The amount of shredding I've done, sort of just beginning to just get ready for Spain and get rid of stuff that's good, you know, because I don't want to, it's not all going into storage. It's getting shredded and thrown away, a lot of this stuff. So um, I had loads of planning sheets that I had to shred. 
uh, on paper that I'd kept, and I thought oh, I can't do this. I can't. I can't keep keeping stuff on paper. I, I, it's not sustainable. And particularly if we go to Spain, I, I need to really uh, address this and find a system that works for me that I could use online and that I could also access via my mobile phone. So I started playing around with apps and services and things like that. And the more I looked, everybody kept saying Trello. So I dug deeper into Trello. And if you use Trello with things called power-ups, and power-ups basically make Trello cool, they add extra functionality to Trello. And I'm now using Trello with a power-up called Plan, is it Plennyway Pro? Plennyway, P-L-A-N-Y-W-A-Y, Plennyway Pro, which allows me to visualize my planning boards as in a calendar format, by date format. It also allows me to tick things off on a calendar when I've done them. It allows me to repeat things. So like, for instance, I can put a, um, you know, the secret bunker, submit it to BookBub, and then I can automatically put it for, for 28 days time forever. So I always remember to do my, um, you know, to, to submit a book for, for uh, BookBub every 28 days or whatever the cycle is that we're allowed to use. Um, it's color coded, which is really important. And also because when I've got, I've got it on my screen at the moment, my right hand screen, I got my whole sort of week um, at a glance, all color coded, just like it used to be on the sheet. And it's just, it's brilliant. It's just like the sheets were, but it's not a sheet. Um, and I don't keep, you know, with the sheets, when I change things, I get a sticker and stick over it and then recolor code it. It was, it was ridiculous using sheets, but it was the only way I could find that sort of fitted the way that I wanted to do this. But Trello is brilliant. I could, if, if I can't get a job done during the day on my jobs list, I just drag, drag it and drop it into another uh, date in the calendar. And I've got all, you know, I've got birthdays in there, repeating dates. I can bring in my Google Calendar with it. And I, and, and also, you can have multiple boards. I've got loads of boards in here. Let me tell you about my board names. I've got the weekly planner, which replaces the paper sheets. I've got my quarterly planning, which has replaced my whiteboard now. That, that So I don't need a whiteboard now. It's all in Trello in my quarterly planning. I've got writing board, which is where I've got all my kind of writing plans and ideas. I've still got my book idea machine, which was the one that started it all. I have a saved stuff area because this is the other thing. I've got a pin board in front of me and I pin all sorts of bits. And now what I'm doing, because again, if I'm in Spain, I'm not gonna be able to do that. So what I'm doing now is either adding a web link or I'm taking a photograph of it and I can put it in a saved stuff area in Trello. Now, a lot of you will say, why don't you use Evernote for that? Well, I do use Evernote for it, but these are the sorts of things that I want handy in front of me. Um, you know, I don't want them buried in Evernote. So I use Evernote all the time, constantly, virtually every day uh, for stuff generally I want to save. But this is a board that has... So, so for instance... I need to get if we go um, abroad. What I um, I'm, I don't know whether to go into storage or get the loft boarded um, properly, and um, you know put all the stuff in the loft and rent the house out or something like that. And I'm just I'm working all this stuff out. And I've got a, a loft boarding uh, advert came up in Facebook. Now I don't want that in Evernote. I want it to be top of mind. So it's in. I've taken a screenshot of it, put it in my board in Trello and it's there where I can see it handily and it will remind me it's there as a, a visual reminder so that works well I've got a board called um, brain dump so brain dump is literally you know crazy ideas things that I need to do that aren't scheduled yet they haven't got a timeline they're just general things that I might like to do it's a kind of crazy thinking idea and I used to have a vision board on my on my pin board in front of me 
these are the priorities in your life. I've got a vision board now on Trello. And, and the other great thing about Trello is you can put photographs in it. So it looks it looks better than the vision board I used to have that was pinned up on my pin board. It's, it's better than that. And I can add stuff and take stuff and put it into categories. It's, it's just much better. So I can't believe that the answer was right at the end of my nose all the time. Uh, but Trello has been absolutely perfect for me. So at the moment, the, the, the kids are sort of coming into my study saying it looks a bit sad. My study at the moment feels like, you know, when um, it's end of term in a classroom and the teacher's taken down all the displays and all the boards are empty where they've been lovely and colourful all term. That's what my study looks like at the moment. You might actually be able to even hear it in the audio quality, actually, the sound. It might sound a little bit emptier. And the reason for that is, you know, I, there's so much to do before we go. Uh, but I, you know, I'm going to need to take these boards off the wall. I want to fill the holes in. You know, I just want to leave the place, you know, in, in, in a fit condition, without holes in walls all over the place and things like that. So um, I'm, I'm doing these bits bit by bit. But also, if we are going to go to Spain, I've got to tackle things I haven't tackled, like uh, personal organisation. I cannot go round with loads of pieces of paper in Spain. This has to be online. So I'm so pleased. And, and you know, when you get a new system, when you find something. And it works brilliantly. I, I've kept, if I just slide my chair over here, just for the last time, that is my paper planning sheets, which I've just kept in a tray out the way in case I've overlooked anything and I, you know, I haven't, I haven't done it right or I don't get on with it. And in actual fact, I haven't looked at that planning sheet for days. Ever since I transferred it, I'm getting on so well with this. So you know when you, you find something and it works for you and you just think, right, that's it, that's it. I'm done. That's how I feel with Trello. So I've been quite ruthless in my study. Um, and obviously, you know, we're not going for another five months. So I'm going to keep two of the small boards in, but I want to take the big ones off that are screwed into the wall. So I, because I don't want to be overwhelmed with tidying up jobs, you know, when we, we sort of vacate the house. I don't want to be overwhelmed with, you know, jobs that need to be doing. And I can kind of paint walls and things as we go along and stuff like that. I don't want to be overwhelmed with it, um, you know, just the month before we go. The other thing I've done in here, and again, I think you might hear the difference in the sound, is I've had um, two filing cabinets in here. I've got a small filing cabinet with two cabinets in, and I had a big filing cabinet with four cabinets in. And I've gone right through that four cabinet and shredded everything in that cabinet and reduced my life down to a filing cabinet of two. Now, there were kids stuff in there as well, you know, lo just loads of stuff that needed to go. And my goodness, the shredding. My wife and I went to the tip the other day. Incidentally, you can't just roll up to the tip anymore. You have to queue for an hour to get into the tip because of all this social distancing stuff. But I, 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 I mastered my patience and we sat in the queue because we've been the number of shredded bags that we had that I put in the shed because obviously they've got only got paper in so they don't rot or stink or anything. I put all these bags in the shed um, with a view to dropping them off at the tip. And so we dropped all these bags off at the tip, loads of them, of, you know, full of shredding and old paperwork and things like that that went that had to go. We shredded obviously the private stuff and the non-private stuff didn't need to be shredded. That all went to the tip and loads of it there was. A car full of stuff went to the tip and now we're ready to start again. So I really am sort of tackling this. My shelves, I've got rid of loads of books. I'm getting rid of loads of CDs. I've ripped all my CDs now. Um, I'm going to get rid of loads of CDs when the charity shops start taking stuff. I'm getting rid of CDs. I'm going in the cloud, everybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm just reducing my life down. There's another thing. And again, this is not morbid in any way. It's just a time of life thing. But there is a thing that my wife's been reading about. Um, what is it? It's Marie Kondo, isn't it? It's the tidying lady. And there's... There's something, I've probably got this completely wrong. Is it Japanese death tidying or something? 
I think it's Japanese, where they, it might not be Japanese, it might be another country, I can't remember. Basically, it's about, the concept is, when you get to my kind of time of life, it doesn't mean you're going to die, by the way, or you expect to die anytime soon. But, you know, children are moving on, you're in a period of transition, it's that kind of time of life where it feels right to do it. Um, you know, the idea is, is that you just reduce everything, you just reduce all your stuff. And um, so that, you know, if you did pop off, somebody doesn't have to sort through all that rubbish, those piles of rubbish. And as I say, um, Spain is kind of forcing this, even if we don't get to Spain, it's still a useful exercise to go through. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm inverted commas, retired now as well. It's just a really good point at which to say, right, that can all go. I don't need that anymore. I'm never going to need that again. You know, I've got years worth of salary slips, for instance. I always kept, I always remember when I worked at Radio Humberside, one of my colleagues um, took early redundancy then, uh, years ago, and she'd kept records of her salary slips. And when it came to pension time, she was really pleased about that because they hadn't quite got a pension right. They got her start date wrong and she was then able to show them evidence of a start date and, and she got the right pension paid to her. And I always remembered that. And so I'd always kept my salary slips from the BBC. I've got years worth of salary slips from the BBC. And of course, now they're paying my pension and that's all coming through. I don't need to keep those anymore. So what I've just done is I've reduced all of that and just kept the P60s really more out of interest to see you know, what, what you earned over the years. So I've, I've massively reduced stuff. When I was a teenager uh, and at university, I used to put all my photos and cuttings into scrapbooks. And these scrapbooks are just like proliferated and they took up so much space and they were so heavy. I've completely destroyed those, but I haven't got rid of the, the memories. I've taken the photos out, put them in a box. I've kept the memorabilia and it's just flatter and easier to store now. So th this is what we're doing at the moment. And I really want to get ahead of steam on for this. Even if we don't go to Spain, you know, this is a good thing for me to be doing. But my my study is completely minimalist now. You know, I've got rid of books, got rid of CDs, got rid of rubbish, got rid of a filing cabinet, the boards are free. And, um, you, you know, and, and because I knew that my, I knew this office would need tackling. I knew that stuff would need tackling. The other thing is, is that um, I've, I'm getting rid of about, f how many years? Four, where are we? Four years worth of business paperwork as well, because you only need to keep your business paperwork for a certain amount of time. So I'm, I'm getting rid of all the business paperwork that I can shred now, um, you know, sort of legally, because I don't need to keep those records now. So that's a load of paperwork, so much paperwork getting shredded there, but it's massively reduced the space that we need. So it's actually very cathartic and I've, I've really sort of enjoyed it. Uh, but that is a long way of telling you that I have uh, found a new way of planning and it's Trello and I love it, but it's Trello with power-ups, not just Trello. Got to use it with the power-ups. As I said, we are still sort of planning on going to Spain and, um, you know, so either stuff's going to be packed in the loft or it will be packed in storage. You know, it's going to be one of those two things, not quite sure yet. Um, but I've got moving boxes and the kids know that when they go back to university, you know, stuff that stays in their rooms is going to have to go into boxes now. Um, and we're just, we're figuring all this stuff out. But um, clearly they'll take a lot of stuff, but the other stuff will need to be in boxes so that when I decide what happens to it, whether it go in the loft or does it go in storage, what's going to happen to it, uh, it all needs to be labelled and we need to know whose stuff is what. But um, it does. It feels nice getting rid of a load of junk. I can tell you, it's it's really really nice to get rid of all this rubbish. You know, I, I reckon I could live in the cloud now, uh, virtually. You know, if I had a, I had a small shelf full of books, I reckon everything else pretty well could be in the cloud now. Music and everything could be in the cloud. 
and I, I, I'm really keen to get as close to that as we can. Another one of the things we have discussed, and again, this is also open, you know, there's so many factors involved here, Brexit, pandemics, there's so many factors involved here that we're going to have to keep flexible, which is, you know, why I'm, I've started early, which is why I'm all over this. Um, but uh, one of the things I've said to my wife, you know, is that we might even stay out in Spain, I might even pay tax out there. It's one of the possibilities that we have looked at, you know, to actually just, just stay out there and live out there. And, and the kids can just, you know, because the kids can just jump on planes now and uh, and come and visit us. So that's one of the other things that we're considering, you know, maybe doing it for a slightly longer term than we thought we were going to do. But of course, you know, that's the so many ifs, buts and maybes with that. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I guess the bottom line is we are still planning to go out to Spain. We are planning to go on the 1st of November uh, still. And I don't see any reason why we shouldn't do that still. Uh, you know, and my, my view is, is that at the very, very, very least, we should get November and December out there, the very, very, very least, because we're still in the European Union then. And hopefully we'll be on top of this pandemic enough to allow us to do that. And then option two is that we'll get the, the two months before Christmas while we're still in the EU and we'll get the three months that we're allowed to stay in, in Spain when we're not in the EU and that'll take us to the end of March. So that should be five months. That's OK. And then after that, it all depends. It all depends. And we're going to do one of two things. Uh, we will either get what's called residencia. Well, we'll get residencia anyway, which means that, uh, you know, we can sort of stay in Spain. Um, sorry, it doesn't mean we can stay in Spain. We can stay in Spain for six months of the year. And then um, if we want to stay longer than that, then we would have to pay tax in Spain. And, and, and that's something that we're just looking at, the, the pros and cons of that. Um, at the moment but we just want to have all our kind of ducks in a row so we can decide what we want to do next as far as that's concerned okay um one of the things i've also really enjoyed about this time is, is kind of just reconsidering what i use in my business and what i don't and i've got a very much a sense of you know what i'm going to continue to use what i'm not going to use and what i think i'm going to do now is i think i'm going to pivot to elementor to make my websites i think um i've used something called optimized press for years and it's been great, but they've migrated from Optimize Press 2, which I love, to Optimize Press 3. They still support Optimize Press 2, but they won't forever. Now, I don't like Optimize Press 3. It's not what I want. So that's, I think, going to force a change. So I decided to embrace that this year. Now I've got more time. And I think the solution is going to be Elementor. So I've got um, an Elementor package for the year for 10 websites. And I think this is going to be a slow sort of chugging job. I'm going to get to grips with Elementor. Um, build templates and I'm probably going to use Elementor going forward to for my websites. The other thing I've done, I think I mentioned this in the last diary that I did, I've joined Ally, the Alliance of Independent Authors at Authorpreneur level for that next stage level support that I feel that I probably need in my career. And I've, my tools now, my kind of complement of tools are MailerLite, BookBrush, BookFunnel. That, that's kind of what I'm using. I've paid for all of those up front. I've done a lot of catch-up work as well as I've already sort of suggested. I've revamped my email automations in MailerLite. I've reconsidered the way that my automations work. Each automation channel now has seven different promotions in it, all running on automatic. I've tied in a lot of my affiliate products now. So again, while I've been reviewing the products that I want to commit to, I've been signing up for um, affiliate programs as well. Affiliate programs help to make me money. If people go on to buy things that I recommend and use, it doesn't cost them anything extra, but I often get a kickback and I'm finding that Bookbrush and Vellum are 
very good sources of affiliate income at the moment. They're, they're, they're working well. So um, MailerLite's been up to date. One of the things I've completely failed to do, this is on my sort of pending need to think about it tray, is I've completely failed. I am a failure. I have failed to email my list regularly. So I've got the automations, I've got the onboarding, but I haven't sent a sort of one-off email since the new year. I'm really embarrassed to admit that. I haven't sent an email to my list since the new year. How embarrassing is that? Because the truth is I don't really sort of enjoy those chit-chatty ones. I love doing automations. I like to set it up to run automatic. Um, but the chit-chat stuff, you know, not 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 so much. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm all right sort of sending an email telling you about my latest book, but all the chit-chat stuff, it's not just kind of really me. So I'm, I'm not sure what to do about that at the moment. Um, the automations are fine. You know, the onboarding is all fine. That, all that automated stuff's great. But I need to think about what I'm going to do with the time-to-time -time kind of email chat. So that's in the pending tray at the moment. Finally, because um, I looked at my web analytics and made sure I got Google Analytics working on everything, my the most web traffic page I've got, and it's all organic traffic, none of it paid, is my how to use Vellum on a PC web page. Um, you know, which gets loads of traffic, uh, and it's all organic, and it's number one in the search engines. If you put, you know, Vellum on PC into Google, you'll see it comes number one in the search engines. And um, I just thought, you know, I'm missing a trick that I need to put a promo to a book on there, and I need to get Vellum affiliate link on there. And I've done that, and I've re I've updated the page and brought it up to date now. Um, I did that the other day, and already I make about $47 a time on an, um, an affiliate payment off... Um, Vellum, and I'm already beginning to make affiliate payments off that. So that's a great little page for me. Uh, so that, that just made sense to just come in and do that. So, you know, uh, there's so many things I've done. I mean, I've been working through the Amazon training that Mark Dawson did. So many sort of, of these little jobs that weren't getting done. I'm just getting on top of them bit by bit by bit. I'm getting on top of all of these things. That is it then. My wife has left to go into town to the shops and has come back in the time it's taken me to record that. And I'm on for a game of Scrabble. Which game of Scrabble is it? 80, 80 what today are we? I can't remember what I said at the beginning. A Scrabble game 86 I'm about to play with my mum. So I will bid you farewell. In the meantime, I wish you well in the current pandemic, and I hope that you have great success in your own writing. Bye-bye for now.